Craft Beer Radio, episode 301, on August 29th, 2014. And welcome to Craft Beer Radio. My name's Greg Weiss. And I'm Jeff Bear. And we are just shaking to the oldies. That was... Uh, Diana Ross and the Supremes. It's number one song, uh, six, 1964. This week. So, here we have in front of us an array of beers. That that sums it up. No really rhyme or reason or theme. They're bigger flavors. Yes. Bigger flavors, just to keep them all on the same playing field. Uh, I'm really unsure of where to start here. I'm thinking Malt Monster, actually. Yeah, I'm thinking you're right, yeah. Okay, so this is Fort Collins. Was this sent to us by Fort Collins? Yes, it was. Yes, okay. This is Wallace the Wee Heavy. Instead of doing Hophead beers, they're doing a series of big, malty beers. And this is, I think, the first of the series. Wallace. This one's a, this won a bronze medal in the 2014 U.S. Open Beer Championship. So... Let's see what we have here. Nine point four percent alcohol by volume. Sixty. Oh, I'm sorry. That was that's Barnaby. Hmm. Now I don't know. This is telling us that uh, this is not giving me all the information I want. All right. There's a lot on the side here. Let's see what we got. Uh, blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. I can tell you about Barnaby. Uh, I can tell you that Wallace the Wee Heavy was released in April 2014. Bernard the Belgian Style Double was released in uh, July 2014. And so Barnaby was released in September 2014. And they were releasing a Dunkel in December. They did send us a press release marketing collateral with the beer, but I'm not sure where it is right now. So That's why oh, it's important well. to have the stuff on the website. Yeah. Oh, well. All right, so the beer pours, as you would expect for a wee heavy. It's pretty clear, but it's very dark toffee colors. A little bit of red. Yeah, a little reddish, yeah. Doesn't have much in the way of head. Yeah, not much of a head. Sweet on the nose, a bit of a bit of plum, actually, on the nose. For me, the nose is pretty closed off. I'm going to kind of tilt the glass and coat the sides to try to get more aroma out of it. It's also a beer that would be, you know, opening up pretty well, pretty warm. Let's see. So we're currently at 50, almost 60 degrees. So I don't know. We really can't prescribe much warmer than 58.8. But I mean, we like them to be above 60 in general Mm -hmm. if they're not lagers. There's a, uh, yeah, there's something malty. Uh, Instead of plum, I'm going to say there's something a little bit bubblegum. In the aroma. I can see where you could go in that direction. Also getting, now not noticing the bubblegum quite as much, getting a little more toffee aroma. A little bit maybe cinnamon roll too. Not not so much cinnamon part, but sort of the glazed mm-hmm. part. Flavor, I mean, for me, the nose was really pulling, trying to pull stuff, you know. But the flavor, as you'd expect with a beer like this, is really forthcoming. Lots of nice, rich, multi flavors coming through. I'll take another sip to really start picking them out. There was 
raisin bread, bread pudding. Mm. There's a nice a, a nice toffee bit mm-hmm. with uh, yeah with a little bit of that sweet sort of glaze on top. Yeah, the toffee's really nice. There's a hint of molasses in there as well. Um, I wouldn't. Hmm? Taking a couple more sips, I was thinking, you know, for me, uh, like things bready like bread pudding or something like that. It's not really the front, the main things I'm tasting. So I'm getting a little bit different, uh, different angle than what you mentioned. No, I'm I'm getting uh, you know what, you know what it's it's coming to me as is actually very doughy bread like before it's cooked you know so it okay. the real bread of a nice doughy I actually like undercooked bread I'm one guy I like weird textures mm-hmm. and stuff so I kind of like undercooked bread and, and I sort of like the flavor it's sort of it's got a kind of floury flavor mm-hmm. and uh, I, I sort of dig that. As I drink it, uh, I'm noticing more more raisin pla- flavors. Maybe uh, maybe some some pear, but I'm getting you know some of those really rich, fruity, dark fruit type raisin. Mostly raisin. I won't I won't throw out generic dark fruits. It's pretty specific to me. Raisin. Mm-hmm. I'm still getting some plum there too. Okay. But yeah, I think th- there's you could mimic this with uh, some very very sweet chocolate, you know, not semi sweet at all, mm-hmm. uh, and a little bit of toffee or molasses, like you said, mixed in there, mm-hmm. and a slight kind of doughiness. And I think that's the yeast is, okay. is bringing out a little bit of a doughy character. There's a a slight bit of of warming. No, it's not boozy. I wouldn't call this boozy, but there's just a slight bit of warming, and it actually goes well with this beer. It, and we have, yeah, would expect it to be around 10%. Yeah, it's not on the label, the ABV. I didn't see it. I'm not sure I would go. I'd say it's between 8 and 10, somewhere in there, yeah. I think we have these, and I think, you know, around that number. Mm-hmm. I can taste the alcohol. I mean, or I can, I can feel the alcohol, let's put it that way. Right. I can feel it already, just kind of like... Fogging up just slightly. <laughs> I do like the little illustrated monster on the front. Yeah, it's it's kind of cute. It has a a sort of Muppet like character that they put. Maybe a little more aware of the wild things are. Sure. Something like that. But yeah, I'm so I presume the whole lineup has these different monsters. You know, we normally don't talk about the the labels, or we try not to. But I, I like this one. I'd like to have a a poster of all the malt monsters. Yeah, that would be kind of cool. If you could replace your Simpsons <laughs> Yeah, the worn-out Simpsons poster that I got when I was... Oh, Jesus. That's probably 15 years old. Mm-hmm. There's Millhouse. <laughs> <clears throat> if you drink it a little bit faster, it comes across a little more cinnamony. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that the the... the yeah, the, the flavors don't get a chance to sort of mingle as much, and it, it leaves a uh, slight spiciness mm-hmm. behind. Yeah, because I took a sip, which I thought was going to be my last sip, so I was just knocking it back. Turned out it was a little too much, so I still have more, but I drank it faster, and yeah, it came across a little spicier than the other ones. Hmm. It's not bad. 
I'm not really? a huge fan of Wee Heavies, but uh, you know, Scotch Ales in general. But that's not bad. Yeah, maybe for the I mean, if we're comparing it to the style, it might be missing a little bit of the mineraliness mm-hmm. that I kind of used to for those ones. I'm not saying whether that's good or bad. I kind of, I'm enjoying what this is, you know, and maybe if it's a little more minerally, I might not like it as much actually. That makes sense. All right, so now I'm thinking that we go with a triple. Okay, sounds good to me. I won't object. So this is from River Horse. They sent us their triple horse. Belgian-style triple. The malts they used are Pelzen, White Wheat, and Caramel 15. The hops, Chinook, Hillertauer, and Zotz. 10% alcohol by volume. Fermented with a Trappist yeast strain. That's 10% is kind of big for I mean, a triple. Yeah. Wouldn't really take them that high normally. Well, I mean... I'm thinking... Seven to nine is what I think. Well, yeah, so Delirium Tremens is like 7.5. Uh, I want to say triple Golden Monkeys in the eights. Yeah, Golden Monkeys are around eight. But what about the Trappist ones? Um, I mean, what, Westmall, yeah. Chimay, they're not near ten. So yeah, this is a big Ooh. triple. It smells it, too. Did you mention Spices? Did not mention spices. The label says brewed with spices. Nutmeg and coriander. Uh huh. If you decide to ride this horse. So that explains what I was smelling. Because I wasn't able to pick it mm. out at first. Okay. But yeah, there's a there's a nice coriander cover, sort of a tarp that's on top of this of the smell of this beer. I can say. Without a doubt, I've never had a beer with coriander at 10%. <laughs> what was the double white from... Not 10%. <laughs> seven, seven and a half, eight. Yeah, so what happens is the volatilization from the alcohol is carrying the coriander up. Yeah. And almost intensifying the aroma, at least, of it. There's, um, there's an aroma on here that's... So triples typically have the candy sugar... I was smelling this um, thing that almost reminded me a bit of a mead. You know, there was a bit of a fermented honey type aroma or something like that. It, it, to me, it was more that way than, you know, straight up candy sugar. No, I, a little I, more floral or a little more pollen I, I I sort of see what you're getting at, but I think that's just the coriander mm. kind of flowering over the candy sugar. I think that's the candy sugar underneath that's just kind of peeking through. Speaking of meads, one real quick aside. I was at Wiggle Whiskey's Barrel Room tonight, and they have distilled honey beverage. So they make a mead, and then they distill that. So I tasted two of them. I tasted the straight-up white one, mm-hmm. and that was pretty good. It had really neat floral. It was pretty boozy. So it had a good bur- it burn. It was kind of rummy, but it had more floral sweetness to it. And then I tried the Oak Age version, and I don't think it did it justice. I liked the straight-up one a lot better than I like the Oak. They also have a spiced one that I didn't get to try. But yeah, I've never... I mean, I've seen, like, honeyed Jack Daniels and whatnot, but mm-hmm. I've never really seen straight-up distilled honey. I'm glad I looked at the label, because I wasn't... I th- the next we are going to suggest... I thought they were in the same area, but they're not. <laughs> <laughs> so. 
Yeah, this one has a very interesting. Um, there's a there's a floral smell. The last sniff, I really got a straight on smell of dried banana chips. Oh, that's that's an interesting one. That I mean, it, it yeah, because as soon as you distinct. said that, yeah, there's there's something there. So that's, you know, definitely th- think all the banana chips are condensed and have this. I mean, when they're dry, the flavors are kind of locked up. But imagine how all the sweetness from the banana gets condensed, right? So you're getting a very condensed sweet type aroma off of this. If you were to crush up some banana chips, you'd definitely smell it because it would be mm-hmm. aerosolized. Hmm. There's that bit of it, which I think is actually. I think bananas are very similar to vanilla. So I think it's kind of a, a similar thing that's going on there. I think it's a vanilloid. Mm-hmm. And, and also, I was almost going to throw up bubblegum again. And a big part of the flavor of the bub- traditional bubblegum is the ethyl amyl acetate, which is the banana-type flavor, right? So, But that's definitely there. But with a... A kind of extra, almost rose-like component laid on top of it. This it, is a very full-bodied triple, yeah. and that's I like that. That's why I like. It. Well, some of my favorite triples are not the the thin, spicy or floral ones. Mm-hmm. It's the ones that are more malty, like a Westmall yeah. is one of my favorite triples, right? And this one's in that family. If you draw two families of triples, so you know right off the bat, it's starting in the right lane for me. Yeah, it. It doesn't end particularly dry. It feels like you said, like it's a nice viscosity on, in in mouthfeel, and the the malt is this banana bread mm-hmm. thing that it doesn't feel quite like a, a tip. You know, a normal triple though. I mean, the, the candy sugar isn't coming through as much, and it's not giving that that bit of dryness that usually comes through. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. Um, Nutmeg is not overused. It doesn't stand out. It mm-hmm. doesn't fight for attention. But it's there. It's there. But I'm happy that it doesn't. It's not boisterous, right? Um, the coriander and the flavor. The coriander makes it, you know has a pretty big role in the aroma. In the flavor, it's there. But it, again, it, it's it's it well used as well. I think these this beer has a good restraint on the spicing. I agree. I think this is well done. Although. At the same time, it, it, it's different than your average triple. I mean, I'm still willing to say, okay, it's in the triple area, and I'm not saying, like, this is not a triple. Mm-hmm. But this is not a typical triple. Yeah, certainly. It's definitely not... Um, most of the Trappist triples are the drier right. kind, right? Westmall, Westmall's a Trappist, right? Yes. Yes, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I hate when I misspeak, so I just had to double check that. Well, there's there's trap. There's as Westmo. There's best letter in. There's Iinger. There's Chimay. No, no, uh, not not Iinger. Um, yeah, Rochefort. Ro- Westmo. Chimay. Yeah, Ackle. Yeah, Ackle. West letter and Orval. Yeah. Okay. The um, yeah. So that I mean to really for me, well, the Rochefort is kind of. Multi. It's been a long time since I've had both either of them. Yeah, I've kind of put the. Actually, that's what I need to do is I need to have West Mall again because I put this up on this pedestal, and I probably haven't had the beer in four years. We may more. we may need to do a sort of revisiting of of the Belgian. It's so hard these days to buy imports, especially the Belgian imports, because there's 
great American beer that you know is, uh, well, you don't know, but generally you have much better luck with freshness. Mm-hmm. So, like, I am so gun shy of spending big money on European imports. True. So, it's a tough call. But occasionally you get that great thing. Yeah, right? I know. But uh, the, you know, we are the we are guys who have poured out a West Fluttering Twelve because it was oxidized all the hell. Yeah, this is a nice triple. I like mm-hmm. this. I really dig it. I think it's um, I think it's really well done. I think it hides the ten percent pretty good too. It really does, doesn't it? Because. In the in the we heavy it was kind of right there, mm-hmm. but I mean it wasn't wasn't hot, but it was. It, you felt it. This the sweetness and everything is at least distracting me from it, or it's just I already had a beer that maybe was very that high. maybe <laughs> that's it, you know. But if I was just using my own magical alcohol analyzer, mm-hmm. you know, my experience, I would pick this one eight and a half, maybe nine. Which isn't that far off from 10, but, you know, there's there's a boozy 10, there's a not boozy 10, and right. this is a not boozy 10. I really need to, uh, I'm, you know, I'm a few, still a few sips away, so give me a second here. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> usually, oh, usually I'm done before Greg is, but uh, not this time. Do, do, do. I'm just looking at the next beer that we have up. We'll start announcing it. Go for that. So, we're going from New Jersey to Texas. Ranger Creek sent us Small Batch Series number 6. This was brewed in August 2013. It is a bronze medal winner to World Beer Championships. This is a Flanders Red. So, it was re-fermented with strains of Bretomoniaces, Lactobacillus, and Pediococcus. And... That's kind of it. That's all they have in terms of non... Non marketing stuff. That smells <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> it smells really good. It's uh, I, let me wait till I wait till I get it in my glass. I'm kind of just smelling out the neck of the bottle while I finish this triple. But that's not a slouch of a Flanders, even though it reminds me more of some of the aromas that you are more used to of uh, Russian River, Lost Abbey, those kinds of things. Where I think the Brett is. I'm off the way till I actually get in my glass, but it's. I think I think I'm smelling. Uh, I'm not quite certain here, but I think I'm smelling more PDO than I am the other ones. Okay. And and PDO lends a little bit of uh, of. I guess the closest I can come is is tennis ball. Tennis ball, huh? Yeah, not. You know, it's not in a bad way. Like Dord's not bad, but it's. Uh, you know, there's something, just like when we talk about things like, oh, there's definitely veiny, there's veiny blue cheese aroma in yeah. this for sure. And, you know, a typical Flanders, like a, um, Rodenbach, lawfully, you definitely don't get yeah. veiny blue cheese with this one. That's the first thing I smelled as soon as I put it in the glass. There's a little bit of like. Gym sock. I mean, there, there's a little. Yeah, I can smell the PDO too, right? There's something a little, little difficult. <laughs> let's just say, um, 
you know, the sour heads like us will probably love the complexity, but there's, it's not the most inviting aroma. No, but, you know, like you said, there's lots of cheese that don't have very inviting aromas. Right, And you dig into them and they are wonderful. Right. But this is not an air freshener. I'm having a hard time equating that to either gym suck or tennis ball. The blue cheese turned into Limburger cheese for me now, so I'm getting a pretty lactic type aroma, I guess, off of it. Kind of a funky lactic. I guess I'll stay in the in the gym area. And I'll say, <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> Sweaty towel. No, I don't know. I'm taking your time. I'm getting a touch of cherries behind all the funk. Oh, I just got something that was very, very rindy blue cheese. Very. I had that earlier when it was freshly poured. It was. It was very straight up, like like if you cut all the blue out of a blue cheese. Wow. <laughs> all right, time to move on to the yeah. flavor. Let me. How clear is yours? Mine seems. Is they look the same? Yeah, they're the same. Okay. Well, we should tell the beer is a cloudy beer. You can actually see kind of sediment. Or coagulation of yeast, like clumps floating in the beer. Big, big loose clumps, like cloudy, like clouds. <laughs> Fluffy little clouds. It's not as funky or difficult in the flavor as the aroma might suggest. No. The aromas, or the flavor... It is uh, reasonably accessible. Actually, it gets pretty pretty tart and, and sour late in the aftertaste. Yeah, it gets that. That's true. It and not like not sour like sour patch kids, but like super tart, like dr- a drying effect on the back of your mm-hmm. tongue. Um, the the flavor itself, I'm not quite sold on. It's not as acidic as you would expect. There's some acidity there, but it's not as acidic as acidic as you would expect from a Flanders. And that it kind of that. it kind of makes it a little aqueous, right? It tastes a little watery. Not only that, but there is is a there's a flavor there uh that is reminding me a little bit of freezer burn. Okay. Freezer burn. I I go from there. And try to draw a line to, like you know, when we had ice that has a weird. Mm-hmm. Kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. No, I hear, I hear what you're saying. Um, I'm trying to. I want to draw a line from freezer burn to someplace, and then with a little swing by pithy, I'm trying to figure out where the someplace is. It's. Uh, let me take one more step. See if I can get it. Freezer burn by way of cabbage. Okay, yeah, cabbage and um, swing by the pith a little bit, Mm -hmm. a little bit of um, grapefruit pith. Uh, Really dries out your mouth. Yeah, I'm... 
I'm not hating it. There's... It doesn't have much of that sweet tart character. Yeah. You like, do you like the finding of Flanders? Right? The the underneath malts, if you get past that kind of Brussels sprouty bitterness that's there, and the sort of sulfuriness there, there is definitely a kind of uh, a, sw- a sort of sweet chocolate underneath that I would kind of expect out of a good Flanders. I think there's an interesting base beer in here, but I just don't know if this is, these are the right bugs. I think the PDO, like you, I think you called it earlier, I think the PDO beat out some of the lactose, some of the, excuse me, well, some of the wild yeast, you know, things like that. I just think that uh, it's really cheesy. I mean, in general, it's it's overly cheesy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I believe you are correct, sir. So I don't know. How do you want to call this? How do I want to call it? Um, we're not dumping it out. Right. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm anxious to drink myself through it, taste every little bit of it. But um, if you're comparing this to Rodenbach Grand Cru, La Roja, Roja from no Jolly Pumpkin, yeah. La Folie, um, anything from Russian River, you know, it's going to be really hard to pick this one. But, you know, if you if you find it, it's the only sour thing going. I don't think you're going to horribly regret it. I, if you're, I, new- I can't call it legitimately sour. I can't. It doesn't have. Okay, it's wild. It's yeah, it's wild. Definitely wild. There's a little bit of tang to it, but not. It's not acidic enough for sour. It. You know, we, we've talked a bunch of times about how. You know, your first gut feeling is that people who aren't used to beer or aren't used to sour beers aren't going to like the sour beer they taste. And I've been able to prove that wrong time and time again with different beer tastings I've led. This one might not, even with me saying people will like sour beers more often than you think, I'm not sure about this one for a neophyte. This one seems really acquired. This one seems like you have to learn to love it. You learn to love those flavors, or at least learn <laughs> to appreciate those flavors, before you can down it. I mean, I could, I could see someone saying this tastes like sweaty gym socks or something like that. Right. Be clear if your experience with beer, you'll you'll probably enjoy it, or at least have a good time with it. If you're not as experienced, probably not the one for you. Yeah, I think you'll you definitely find it an interesting experience, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you know what that sounds. It's our commercial time, which is how do you support Craft Beer Radio? The way you support Craft Beer Radio is a way that costs you no money than money you would spend anyway, because you love shopping on Amazon, because everyone has everything they need on Amazon. I know yeah, that didn't I mean, make complete sense, but you can you can pretty much buy anything. I mean, you can buy food, you can buy shelter, you can buy clothes, clothing. You can buy all your technology on there. You can buy books, even still. You could buy uh, data space. You could buy. <laughs> oh, I wonder if our referral link works right for Amazon <laughs> Web Services. Like you know, like 
we have custom. I don't think so. But. Probably not. But I never even try. I thought about trying because you know our Amazon bill is is pretty hefty. If I could link that through a referral fee, that'd be pretty sweet. At work, we're using a bunch of Amazon Web Services. Anyway, um, the way you use Amazon with us, and everyone knows this because we beat it, beat it into your head every single week. That's craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. Not backslash, but front slash. <laughs> Not backslash, front slash. Wait, why? Craftbeerradio.com front slash Amazon. Okay. Because some people might all this time we might have had users typing backslash. I use a backslash and not getting there. A backslash. I use it all the time and it works fine. Really? Yeah. You use backslash when you're typing in web addresses. What yeah. kind of retard are you? A- not the H-T-T-B one. HTTP colon backslash backslash. You're one of those people. No. Oh my god, what's wrong with it? Front slash. The one on the question mark is the front slash. The backslash is the one that's on the pipe. The one above, the one near the... Above Enter. Yeah, above Enter. Yeah, that's the one you use. No, that's yes. not... No, that's not the oh one you use. Oh my god, that is completely the one You've you use. You've been using the internet wrong all this time. No, I haven't, because clearly it's been working. It's because you're using a browser that knows that there's idiots out there, and you're going to type the wrong slash. Every time I've heard it done, it you know before you turn to slash slash, and then before everyone forgot the slash. Okay, we'll take this to the post it show. It backslash. You're so wrong. We're taking this to the post show. Tune into the post show if you want to hear Greg get schooled on backslashes. It always seems to work for me. All right, so let's go a little bit back. Let's go back in the New Jersey area, but this one... The Delmarva Peninsula. Stop trying to make a theme. This one is going to be probably not so compared to the other beers because there's wasabi in it. There's what in it? Wasabi. This is the Dogfish Rosabi. This was not provided by the brewery. It's provided by Heather using Crafty Radio Funds. Imperial Pale Ale brewed with Simcoe and Centennial Hops, Munich and Caramel Malts. Louisiana rice and wasabi, 8%. Released June 1st. And since we're using a dogfish bottle, we should talk about the stoppers that work for dogfish bottles. So you may remember, and if you are not an avid listener, you don't, so this is really for you. We prefer the Xylus brand stoppers, which you can buy on craftyrated.com slash Amazon for most bottles. They seal really well. You can seal a bottle like this big bomber that we're not going to finish tonight. Mm-hmm. And obviously there's oxygen in there, so the sooner the better. But we've opened Xylus sealed bottles three weeks later, and they still tasted 95% as good as they yep. did at the beginning. And stuff really works. But the dogfish bottles have a smaller neck. And the xyluses won't close properly. You can break your xylus in your dogfish bottle. So I bought all the different bottle stoppers on Amazon that I could find. I even bought a can closer. <laughs> um, but the one we prefer for the dogfish bottles is Joey. J-O-I-E. They're these neon green and pink plastic things. But yeah, so get some xylus for everything except for dogfish. Who else? And I guess champagne bottles would look like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's probably other brewers that need a narrower neck stopper, but I don't know. But yeah, that's our preference. There's the other one that you put on the. This one pops open yeah. too easily, so we don't recommend. It. I don't even know the name of that one. So yeah, but I have since we have it, we use it. Yeah, the Joey. It, the interesting thing about it is it looks a little like a 
like an iPad toy, right? I mean, it's kind of like plasticky, so that so that's why it's like the it's like yeah. the iPod color yeah. or the iPhone color C. It's uh, but but it works. I mean, it works really well. It does a really nice uh, seal, and it's good for any of these uh, thin ones. That don't work. Yeah, we size. haven't talked about the products we use much lately, but yeah, the Xylus stoppers. We were first turned on to those, I think, by John, John Daigle. And um, I think he's, he sent us a couple, and yeah, they're great for sealing off these big beers. If you like drinking alone, or if, you, if you're unfortunate enough, to, fortunate enough to find yourself drinking alone, you need to buy some Xyluses. All right, so we got the Rosabi from Dogfish Head Craft Brewery. Uh, the beer pours a typical amber, orange, gold color. Small head. I like this picture of Sam with uh, Juliana Barwick. And <laughs> they did a whole American Gothic yeah. thing, huh? Yeah. With malt shovels in their hands. Very first sniff, I got the the Simcoe. Did you say Citra too? You know, big I, big hoppy aroma. It the was first Simcoe hit. and uh, Centennial. Centennial, okay. Excuse me. You're gassy. I apologize. Oh, but now I'm smelling the wasabi peas. I'm smelling, you know, like wasabi, wasabi dusted up. You know, like... There I, I go. I, I didn't get it at first. I was getting the hops. But that last sniff I got was straight up wasabi peas or the... I like those blue diamond almonds that are... You well, know, the interesting thing is that most wasabi products that are in the U.S. are not wasabi. Mm-hmm. They are... Horseradish. Horseradish, yeah. yeah. Colored, tinted green. Real wasabi, and you know I've had some in Japan, uh, and there are a couple places you can get it in America. Real wasabi is really interesting because it has a slight kind of horseradish tang to it, but it's really a lot sweeter. Okay, and it you know it definitely you know has some of the burn, but really not not as huge a burn. There's a lot of really interesting sweetness that goes along with it. So real wasabi is is a pretty awesome thing. And when you, when, if they make it fresh, they make it right, to, they do it on a shark skin grater. It's really cool. Okay. Now, this says Japanese root adds bittering. I mean, we don't know, right? That's the marketing speak. We don't know if they actually used real wasabi. I or... would expect they would. I would expect that you know, Dogfish Head would use real wasabi. I mean, if they're starting with the root, you almost have to, right? It's not like you can buy fake wasabi root. No. Right. And uh, did you mention that there's rice in this, too? Yes, I did. Okay. But you can mention it again. Feel free. Louisiana red rice is involved in this beer. Maybe that's what the rose part of the name comes from. Does it have much of a red hue? No, not really. Not but, really. but I, you know, a, a suitably fragrant rice will give an interesting fragrant, fragrant, fragrant uh, character to beer. I, think, I remember the red rice ale from... Mm-hmm. Uh, why can't I my blank on the name? It's Chironist? Yes. Uh, at least the very first time we had it was great. Mm-hmm. It had all these really interesting uh, aromatic qualities to it. Yeah, the aroma is... Re- I haven't taken a sip yet, but the aroma is really changing for me every single time. Like, I got that one sniff that was straight up wasabi peas. And then now I'm, I'm back to a more malty, uh, slightly hoppy aroma. The, the wasabi kind of went through its phase in the aroma. Great taking a sip. I'm filling the air while he analyzes, and he's going to talk while I drink right about now. Isn't that interesting? The way the wasabi is clearly there. 
the way it plays with the hops is 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 quite unique. It's it's a little pithy, mm-hmm. but there's definitely something. It's a little. It's it's kind of grapefruity, but also kind of something else. <laughs> kind of flowery. The 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 wasabi is. There's a little bit of the spice lingering on my tongue. A little bit of that sort of you know mm-hmm. vague kind of horseradishy, but it's but it's not like overwhelming. Uh so I'm not straight up really noticing the wasabi. You know, okay. I, at least not in the first sip. I do have this lingering burn on my tongue, right? It's kind of, I'm not sure why it's there, but, it, you know, I presume it's from the wasabi. Leftover burn. The The beer has a really big malt character to it up front. That's the first thing you notice. You get big caramel flavor, big caramel malt type flavor. Um, a bit like a, a sweet dough of some sort. And then the hops really, the Centennial, the Simcoe, just really pound down and give you um, a lot to think about. And that's where I was expecting the wasabi to kind of harmonize with. And I wasn't noticing it. And hopefully in future sips, I get more of it. And really the only place that I was able to really pick up wasabi is in that curious lingering burn on the tongue. Do you notice something in there that's kind of a combination between cucumber okay, and a little grape or something along those lines? Okay, yeah. That's the wasabi. Okay. So I did taste, like right when Greg was talking, I took a sip. Kind of just like sliding across the bottom of the malt impression up front. There was something that was a little bit... Cucumber is a very good call. I was going to say, what was I going to say? Um, celery, maybe mm-hmm. asparagus skin. You know, like trying to like trying to characterize it off in a weird condition, but really it's not great. But maybe cucumber skin is a good way to look at it. Like right? actually licking a cucumber, mm-hmm. you kind of get. Actually, I like that one a lot. Licking a cucumber, you get some of that during the front where it's mostly malt and impression and then as it's transitioning to the hop impression it gets a little more cucumber fleshy mm-hmm. and i'm gonna have to take another sip because i forgot what i was tasting i'm not quite sure what the other thing is i said great but that's kind of tentative but it's it's that that thing that's sort of cucumbery but with mm-hmm. a little bit of additional sweetness that's the wasabi so yeah it does play between so when i take a sip i really get the mold up front I get the wasabi cucumbery thing in the middle, mm-hmm. and then it really goes centennial. Yeah. I'm not noticing anything too much signature Simcoe. I'm getting signature centennial really in the flavor. It's pretty well balanced. It has a sort of lingering uh, bitterness with that. Um, and the wasabi burn is not nearly as noticeable now. It's only 8% ABV, by yeah. the way. Only because I mentioned it because I'm at the point in the show where I'm starting to feel mm. the cum- cumulative effect of the alcohol that we, you guys, force us to drink. Yes, the, it, it's them forcing us, right? <laughs> <laughs> I guess you're right. Because if no one listened, we'd still do this, right? <laughs> I 
I think this is pretty cool. I think this is a pretty cool beer. I think this is something that's definitely very unique. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got a lot of really interesting character to it. It's a try one or two. Don't buy eight cases of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'd like it better at five and a half, six percent than eight percent. Yeah, I think I'd like a little bit of, of toning down of maybe the Simcoe or something there because I think it would be if it was a little less bitter, then some of the wasabi might come through a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe the malt, maybe the malt saturation you need at eight percent is what you need to kind of balance that. Mm-hmm. But or maybe that's at least the theory. I, I would like to see a light, uh, lower ABV beer based on this kind of idea. It just seems uh, it makes you want to try a cucumber beer. Yeah, I mean, I've had, you know, cucumber water and things like that. I don't know, it'd be interesting. Gotta worry about being soapy, though, right? Gotta have a soapy <laughs> taste. If you use seedless cucumbers and you peel them, I think you could be okay and, and you get away with it. So get all your brewing water out of cucumbers. Squeeze them. Ooh, that, uh... <laughs> <laughs> They are full of water, but that will still take a lot of time and money. Yes. Um, I don't know, just comment. You know, we haven't talked about the term, you know, worth your sobriety in a very long time. Mm-hmm. I just found myself wishing this one was a little bit lighter on the alcohol percentage. Yeah, I can see that. But, you know, I'm just thinking somebody who sees this in the store, mm-hmm. should they pick it up? Yeah, I think this is an interesting experience. I think this is something that while... It's not your typical IPA beer. I was expecting it to be more like a pepper beer. Yeah. I was expecting a really wasabi bomb. And it's not that. It's it's subtle wasabi. Mm-hmm. So it's just, the real just wasabi. It's not yeah. you know, it's not the fake wasabi. It's not the wasabi that you challenge your friends to to, you know, eat a whole big thing of. <laughs> right. All right. On to the last beer of the night. This beer just came in the mail the other day. This is from Boston Beer Company. And this is the Samuel Adams. Cosmic Motherfunk Grand Crew. It's their Barrel Room Collection beer. Comes caged in cork in their Barrel Room Collection bottles, which is uh, kind of a straight-sided, trapezoidal bottle. That we first noticed, I believe, coming from Saber Saber Flowers. Flowers, So, wow, that's a nice pop. They sent us... That's a short run on the cork. Yeah, Look they, at that. they always did have short runs, I believe. The cork, you know, the top part of the cork where the cage was holding on was typical for a champagne cork. But the part that was in the neck is only about half as long as you'd expect for this kind of cork. It still had plenty of a good pop, so mm-hmm. not really concerned. No, it's just different. Very <laughs> yes. different. So Cosmic Mother Funk, basically, when they do their any of their barrel series, they use Cosmic Mother Funk, which is sort of their kind of mother beer. Other breweries do that. I think, um, what does the brewery have in terms of their... I don't know what the brewery has. But there are other... I remember talking about other versions. Well, they do that whole Solera thing. Yeah, Solera. Anniversary. Yeah. I mean, New Belgium has Oscar and Felix, right? Right, right. So this is the beer they blend with it, but essentially what they did is they kind of took Cosmic Mother Funk and they made, they aged it for two years and they made a kind of grand crew out of it, which is a really interesting thing. It's going on a 12-city tour right now. Uh, the cities that it's going to be touring with, in terms of being available in um, 
Yeah, I don't know if this, if this is really going to be available very much in, in bottles. This is 6.4% alcohol volume, by the way. Uh, but it will be available in Boston, New York, Denver, Cleveland, Dallas, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., Chicago, San Francisco, San Diego, Seattle, Seattle, not Seattle, and a TBD, a drinker's choice. There is, for tour dates and, a, and to vote for your city as the final stop, visit SamuelAdams.com forward slash yes. KMF. And vote for Pittsburgh. <laughs> Because I don't know, this this is not necessarily where the beer is going to be available. This is the first time this beer. Well, the press release talks about this is the first time the beer is available on draft, and those are going to be they're going to have tapping events in each of those cities. So if you're not in those cities, you very well may be able to find bottles or maybe even kegs at better beer bars of Cosmic Mother Funk. You're just not going to have the big party, right? Well, say about this beer debuted on August twenty third, so not very long ago, uh, in San Diego, at the twenty fourteen Beer Bloggers Conference, which we were not at. <laughs> Actually, last weekend while we were on the air, I got an invite to join a Google Hangout for a live something or another for Beer Bloggers Conference. I was thinking about joining it in the post show, but we were a little lit. Little, little too lit to yeah. to make our first impression in some such a thing. So let's see. They age this in Hungarian oak. Tons. They talk about they they must have large vessels, kind of right, like what yeah. Dogfish has. You know where they built these. I remember when we were talking with. Was that when we were out in GABF where Jim was t- talking about the guys who built their barrels and they have these like little old uh, guys from Portugal. Did you hear that story? I did not hear that story. Oh, that yeah. might have been out when I was racing because I had to go back to get oh, right. uh, whatever it was that we needed to get. Yeah, I forgot something. He was talking about these guys from Portugal that put these wooden, big wooden barrels, big wooden casks together. You know, like dog or Fort Collins. Um, New Belgium has the photos. Um, Dogfish has those large um, Palo Santo barrels, right? Um there's like only a few guys in the world who are Coopers to put these things together and they're like Portuguese. And Jim was talking about these Portuguese guys. I don't remember the whole story. I just kind of remember the Hungarian Oak and the Portuguese guys putting it together. Part of the story. So they take wild yeast from their brewery along with the bread of maniaces, lactobacillus and other, they say wild critters. So maybe they threw some stink bugs in here. <laughs> um, wow. It's uh, it sounds interesting. I haven't even smelled it yet. How's it smell? It smells more like the Flanders you want the Flanders to smell like than um, blue cheese. It smells. Let me put some instead of saying "Hey, it's a Flanders" for people that may not know what that benchmark is. Let me. It almost smells like an Albrun. Yeah, there's a little bit of sweet tart there. There's a little bit of cherry. or That's why I didn't really go old brune. But there's there's a curious aroma. I mean, here's a, here's one I've never used before. There's a bit of concrete aroma in it. Like, you probably don't have much experience with mixing concrete or t- smelling wet concrete or concrete dust. But there's definitely a bit in there 
So it, what is concrete? Concrete is limestone and and chalk and yeah. I guess it's more limestoney yeah. than chalky, really. But yeah, there's a certain smell when you're mixing concrete, and uh, not that this is the biggest part of the aroma. It's just the most outrageous part of the aroma that came to my attention. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like. Oh, that smells like last year when I was mixing concrete. That's very unexpected. I I probably have been around concrete because I've been you know near sidewalks that have been being freshly okay. done. So I mean, sense memory I, being what it is, I don't know if I can actually I recall. Do, I don't want to... But I, you can I, definitely be putting memories into me. I, I don't even want to keep talking. I don't want to say... I don't want this... People get the impression that this is a huge portion of the aroma. It was a little nugget that I got that I found fascinating because yeah, that's concrete. And that's one of those non-food items that, you know, you're truly smelling. And I don't know. I get excited about those. I've told the story before. I've never considered using non-food items as valid adjectives for the show until I was reading an article written by Lou Bryson. And his quote was like, you know, he was kind of reminiscing about, you know, I remember the first time I smelled this beer that reminded me of fresh cracked granite. Mm -hmm. And just reading that sentence opened up a whole universe of flavors that I would have never considered using when describing beer before, you know, things that are not food. So, uh, you know, I, I just get excited when I get something that is very clearly a non-food smell in a beer and I've really overblown this whole concrete thing. So let's get back to it. <laughs> I'm smelling something, like I said, more along the lines of an outbrune. Uh, it has a kind of, a kind of slight maple syrup slash pomegranate quality. Ooh, okay. Yeah. I like that. I think those are both both in the aroma. We haven't tasted this beer yet, yeah. by the way. We're just smelling it. And there's definitely tartness. You know, there, there, there's something coming off there that's, yeah. that's getting you, a little Actually, you know what? I like the pomegranate call. You take the pomegranate and you blend it with a touch of molasses, mm-hmm. right? I would go more with molasses than maple syrup on this. I think there's, there's a slight component of sweetness that's driving me towards maple, but I do okay. I do agree with molasses. But, you know, but I like this. I'm having like a real, a breakthrough right now because pomegranate plus molasses is kind of like the sweet portion that we is traditional in our Flanders red. Mm-hmm. It's it's a good way. To, it's a very good way to describe for me how how I interpret that what I would always call is cherries. No, no, no. Scratch cherries. Go back through all 300 episodes <laughs> prior. And anytime we're talking about a Flanders rice that it was very cherry-like, scratch that and say pomegranate tempered with a bit of molasses to kind of make it a little bit darker. And there is such bit... a thing as pomegranate molasses, by the way. Oh, well, golly. I was just going to mix it a little bit with sugarcane molasses, you know, and kind of blend it in there. But uh, maybe, maybe pomegranate molasses is the way to go. Thank you. I'm excited. I, I I'm like buzzing right now. I'm just like <laughs> concrete, and, and now the whole pomegranate thing. I'm just I'm on top of the world. 
that's pretty good. <laughs> that's the acidity we were looking for, right? <laughs> oh, that's very good. Oh, my God. The the second tertiary and fourth flavors, right? Because it gets very vanilla And then it goes kind of a, a woody thing. And then it... Holy cow! Oh, my mm. God. That... The sip I took the whole time I've been raving about oh my gosh the the flavor is still evolving in my mouth from the first sip. Wow, we're gonna take our time with this one. There's a lot going on in there. This is quite something. Holy sh- <laughs> I normally don't say that on the show, but you know what I wanted to say. That is impressive. Wow. I am still tasting things from my very first sip. What, 50 seconds yeah. ago? This thing will just tell a story. This has an anthology. This, <laughs> this is... This is... Oh, my God. It, this I'm has, still tasting it. Wow. <clears throat> you have 66. Drink this sucker warm. I mean... Not, not, yeah, not, not hot warm. Right, but... But close to room temperature. Almost room temperature, yeah. Oh my god, that is stunning. Kind of goes orange and lime, then goes into pomegranate. Then vanilla comes in. A bit of a woodiness. Some of the malt comes out. Some chocolate molasses then roll in from the back. Oh my god, that's a little bit of sort of orange is still coming up at the top along the way. The sort of the tartness is, is is there, and <laughs> you are doing an amazing job. I agree with everything you said. He sounds like he has ADD, but this beer has ADD. This beer is such a concophony of different flavors progressing one to the other, to the other, to the other, to the other. It's It's been a long time since we've had something like this. Holy shit. This is pretty amazing. Well... (laughs) Yeah, if you get a chance. (laughs) (laughs) If anyone is still skeptical that Boston Beer Company can make interesting beers, I've been sold for years that Mm -hmm. they're making some amazing stuff out there. But really, this is... I'll say right now, this is one of the best beers I've ever had. Yeah, this is a crown jewel. This is better than Utopias. Screw Utopias anymore. I mean... Well, I won't turn down a free bottle or anything, but if they're like, you can have Utopias or KMF, I'm going to go with the KMF. (laughs) Holy cow. This is really, really special. Something that has just gone through a whole lot of a whole lot of I don't even know what to, how to put it but there, it, there's so much is put into this 
and it all works so well while at the same time giving you this whole spectrum of different flavors all at once man Mm. alright let's do our rankings and then let's just um finish the show and then we can drink this in the post show and not really have to hurry through it yeah it's only 6.4 it's a fucking amazing beer (laughs) unbelievable it Greg said it's one of the best beers he's ever had I'm up up there too it is stunning it's oh my god it yeah yeah alright so (laughs) (laughs) I'll go first with my rankings. My number five beer is going to be the Ranger Creek. Uh, That's not how you do a Flanders. I mean, you tried, but that PDO was way too strong. The the interesting stuff we thought we were going to get from the aroma Mm -hmm. didn't materialize in the beer. And... It lacked the tartness. It lacked some of the quality you might expect. And it had some weird things that I think that most people really, like like we said, wouldn't totally mm-hmm. enjoy. Right. Uh, you know, takes... So, yeah, I'm not I'm not really sold on the uh, small batch number six from Ranger Creek. Number four... Yeah, I, well, the monster. I mean... I think it was it was good, and I I'm not a Scotch ale wee heavy fan, and I liked it. That should say something. Mm-hmm. But I think I like the other beers better, and that's kind of what it comes down to. Uh, the River Horse, my number three beer, would have been pretty high had it not faced up some really fantastic competition. The I, I like what they did with the triple. I think mm-hmm. they, they did some really interesting things while still while it's still being in the ballpark of a triple. Hey, triple in the ballpark, get it? Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I, I would say, yeah, if you see this, you know, check it out. I think it's pretty good. Number two, I really did like the Rosabi a lot. I think that um, if you if you want to get a taste of a little bit of taste of what wasabi actually tastes like, it's in there, but it's hard to distinguish because you're used to wasabi being a big horseradish thing. But like I said, look for sort of the fruity mm-hmm. cucumber. That's the wasabi, and it's an interesting beer. Probably not a beer that you're going to be like, mm, I got to have a whole ton of this, but it's an interesting one. It's one to right. try out. But if you get the chance, get the KMF Grand Cru. Get it. Cosmic Mother Funk from Boston Beer Company. Sam Adams. It's uh, wow. it, it's a spectacular beer. One of the finest I've ever tasted. And we have tasted a lot. Uh, yeah, you're right. So for me, uh, number five is going to be Ranger Creek. It was okay. You know, we've had a couple of the barrel rooms from Ranger Creek, and they've had some problems. This one didn't have any gross problems. It just had some difficulties, right? It was a mm-hmm. difficult beer. Uh, I didn't hate it. I'll drink the rest that's in the bottle here tonight. Uh, well, unless I have to, like, 
compete with Greg for some more KMF. <laughs> you will. Um, number four, I'm going to put Greg's second place beer, the Rosabi, down there. It, it was good, but I think it just kind of, I liked some of the aspects of the other beers a little bit better. Uh, the Rosabi is a little bit strong, you know, so I find myself wishing it was a little bit lighter on your um, ABV, you know, mm-hmm. the blood alcohol content. Um, it was neat tasting the Rosabi in there. The I don't know. Cucumbers aren't my favorite flavor to put in beer. So that was part of it. And then it wasn't... I mean, it was... Beyond that, it was pretty standard with the Centennial Simcoe. The multi... multi, uh, You know, caramel crystal malts, things like that. Number three, I'm going to put the the Wallace We Heavy from Fort Collins Brewery. Uh, I like that a lot. Like I mentioned how I, I would expect in my mind's eye that uh, We Heavy, a Scottish ale, would be a little more minerally. This one was lacking the mineraliness, but I, I kind of like that in the beer. I like what it brought. And um, it brought some really good malt flavors. Number two, I'm going to put the River Horse. I liked... It was, a, it was a lot better than I had anticipated. You know, a triple from New Jersey. You don't necessarily have super high expectations, um, but because it was, why wouldn't you? I, I mean, Cooperstown. I know, but you don't. I mean, you don't have super high expectations out of the box for a triple from just about anywhere, you know. Except for one of my Belgium. favorite beers came out of New Jersey, the Iron Hill Tobacco. That was New Jersey. No, that was Pennsylvania. Really? It wasn't tobacco. It was t- Tabasco. Tabasco. <laughs> tobacco is a valid flavor. No, it is. You get, there's a little bit of regulatory problems using tobacco in your beers, mm. though. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, since it's the, back to the beer itself, right? I was I was expecting a triple that I would like but not love, right? I thought that was really good. It was bordering on love. I loved how it's a fuller-bodied, maltier triple. Uh, I think they did a superb, superb job spicing it because I personally would, if I had a regular triple and a spiced triple, I would almost never go towards the spiced triple, right? So I think they did just enough to keep it, you know, to do what they wanted, but not really be overpowering. And um, yeah, it was good. Did we The ABV, again, that was another 10% triple. Seemed yeah. a little bit high, but I don't know. At that part of the show, it worked for me. Number two, that was number two, which means number one, Cosmic Mother Funk Grand Reserve 2014. KMF? Damn. I mean, I said, <laughs> wow. I said, holy shit. I mean, it is you one. You used the F word, actually. I don't think I used yes, the F Yes, you did. I didn't mean to use the F word. <laughs> it just, that's a that's a fleeting expletive. Mm. The FCC allows those. Um, one mm. of the best beers we've ever done on the show it's easily in the top 10 easily probably in the top five almost certainly maybe in the top three maybe in the top one (laughs) that's that they take a lot of soul searching to figure that one out but yes um but absolutely in the top 10 the only thing I wish is I wish that we had paid for this beer so, you know, the people, the, the skeptical people out there wouldn't think that we're playing up, you know, a you marketing keep, you thing. You keep thinking that that we're not. <laughs> no, I, I'm just saying someone's going to hear that Boston Beer sent us this beer and we're over the top raving about it. We were sent 
the Ranger Creek. Yeah. We resent the River Horse. I mean, and the Four Collins. And the Four Collins. You make up. Your, okay. Your, I'm just. It would just be nice to put it all on the table, right? But uh, wow. Samuel Adams, Cosmic Mother Funk. Good stuff. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. If you want to know what that means, you can visit our website. And that means you can actually like rebroadcast some of our stuff as long as you attribute us and it's non-commercial. Um, if you want to contact us, uh, email beer at craftbeerradio.com. If you want to support us, craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. You know that. Do it. There's no reason for you not to. Yeah, Twitter, at Jeff Bear. At CBR Greg. Thanks for listening to uh, episode 301. We really appreciate it. Hopefully you can get your hands on some KMF. It's good. <laughs> it's really good. Baby, baby. 